ain't no free bird, man. It takes money to make this bird soar. This fat ass is succulent, but he ain't no Thanksgiving bird, even though he's what we're thankful for. He's gonna snatch just a little bit of money. Well, your money in his beak, but he ain't gonna make you poorer, man. It's cause CSmod.com's a destination and a bird of salesmanship is the motherfucking dog. The door to all pleasure, man. The door to funny that's almost free, man. He's the conductor on this love train of Smod Co. Collected just a little bit of a fee. Jonathan Living Sales Goals, the goddamn truth, baby Ruth, you're gonna see, man. Just a sexy bird is slipping those thick, veiny sounds inside your ear, puss out. Guess what, man? Smile don't run on wishes and kisses, bitches. Sometimes you got to pay. Women in negligees get in free. Brothers have got to pay, says the bird. Just for the live gigs, kids. Everything at smodcast.com still free. Just talking about when you come see us live at a Smodco house party, man. Because it ain't just any fucking house party, son. Smodco throws the mother of all. House parties, man. An audio pajama jammy jam. Spreading savings like you spread a pussy. Or ass cheeks. Tatas. All oh, the bird of sales was just flying, Shaggy. Look up. <laughs> Look at dogs like, what did I do? What did I do? I was just sitting here. I wasn't even eating poo this time. Yeah, don't fucking look at me weird, man. I've seen you eat fucking feces. You are... I'm smarter than you. I win. Once again, I fucking dominated you, you little shit eater. Yeah, I had help from the bird. Still, I am the master here, man. Except when it comes to the bird, because goddammit, the bird is just the master of me. Tell me what to do, Jonathan Livingston, sales goal, bird of salesmanship. This simple, kids. All this free Smodco shit comes with a price tag. If we're in your neck of the woods, come out and see our shit live, man. You hear that? That's a disco call. And guess what, y'all? Bird wants to sell you some shit. Right now, here's where you can see a live Smodco show, man. Pay us back for all the free funny we spent all over you. Like a, like a pussy, I said before. Or ass cheeks. Martetes, as previously mentioned. <laughs> um, for tickets to all these live shows, the URL is csmod.com, man. Bust it. csmod.com. S E E S M O D.com for those who can't spell. Uh, you don't even got to talk to another human being if you want to order some fucking tickets to a Smodco show, man. If you want to get this shit done, if you're like, I fucking hate fuckers, man. You don't have to talk to anybody. It's all done with ones and zeros these days, man. Ball bearings. It's all, come on, guys. It's all ball bearings these days. Right, Bird? Fucking hey, Bird. Speaking of ball bearing, man, Ralph fucking Garmin, he'd be bearing some balls that'll take a goddamn eye out or a city block. If legend is fucking to be believed, requires an entire army to transport those cantaloupes. You want to see him? Come to Hollywood Babylon live, man. See just how ballsy Ralph Garman could be right there, up there on the stage, man. Next show, Babylon, uh, Hollywood Babylon happening at uh, the John Lovitz Comedy Club Podcast Theater, September 29th. That's this weekend. 
uh, over uh, at Universal City Walk, our home. That's Babylon 99, man, leading into the following weeks. Babylon 100, 100, 100, 100, which we're doing in Reno, Nevada for some reason. October 6th, man. 100th show at the El Dorado Hotel in Reno, Nevada, man. You can come drop some shit in the slots, play a little poker. Oh, the bird likes poker, man. Birds like poker in the back, in the front, pick liquor in the back. Yeah, shit, yeah, bird's dirty. Dirty bird. Um, evening with Kevin Smith is happening October 13th in Boston. Baston, you massholes. At the Wilbur Theater, man. Come out, ask me anything on stage like a Reddit AMA. Except I'm doing it live time, man. Just doing it right there in front of you and shit. Not typing and whatnot. Um, tickets for that and any show we mentioned here is csmod.com, as previously talked about. Uh, Jay and Silly Bob get old. What if you're like, hey, man, I'm hearing a lot of talk about Kevin Smith and Ralph Garner. Where the fuck's the real brains in this operation? Mr. Jason Muse. Yeah, man, the Bird's a huge fan of Jason Muse. The only reason Mod coexists, right, Bird? Yeah, Bird's like, you better have fucking Jason Muse on the menu or I will punish you. And fire. Anger. Fucking no cable. Fuck you, Bird. Joke's on you. I live online. Shouldn't turn on the Bird like that. It's <laughs> a really bad idea. Start turning on the Bird. He's got a temper like an Irishman. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm too stoned and I'm amusing myself at this point. Jay and Silly Bob get old. As heard, uh, the bird is a huge fan of that show. Dramatic underscore for that moment. Uh, Jay and Tom Bob get old October 16th in Silver Spring, Maryland. You can be my Silver Spring. Uh, it's like fucking 10 minutes from Washington, D.C., man. It's close to a lot of shit. We're playing at the Fillmore Come on out and see Jay and Simon Bob get old. October 16th, three days before October 13th in Boston, me by myself. October 16th, me and Jason Muse, you can get a kind of twofer, and they're not too far away from one another. A little road trip and shit. Treat me like fish. Maybe not fish, per se, but like treat me like, what's a large underwater fish? Treat me like blowfish. Shit, that's the band you want to follow, man. Every stop, they're just like, mm, mm, mm. that's servicing a fucking fan base. Hollywood Babylon in Vegas happens October 20th, man, in Las Vegas at the Laugh Factory at Tropicana, October 20th, man. Uh, tickets for all these shows, as like I said, csmod.com, but uh, break it down, bird, for the free, man. Take it soft. Mm, yeah, free feels good. New pods this week. Very fucking free. Stick them in your ears, man. New episode of Smodcast. Uh, it's not me and Scott Mosier uh, this week. It's me and Vincent Pereira. We take a little break from me and Scotty Moe and Emo Kev. Vincent Pereira, the VSQ historian, man. He's going to tell you all sorts of stories about clerks you didn't fucking know, including cut scenes and weirdness that never made the shooting script that he remembers, man, because I've known him going back way in the day. Vincent's the first guy that said, hey, man, I want to be a filmmaker. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I got into film with Vinnie Prayer, man. It's a great conversation. A two-parter. Part one is on Smodcast. Part two is not on Smodcast the following week. The following week, Moj's back for more Emo Kev fun. Uh, part two is going to be on Smoothie Makers, uh, dropping this Wednesday. So you can hear 
part two of the Vinny conversation, and you want to because it's all about him making his movie, his indie flick, a better place, as well as trying to make another movie and getting fucked over by some Hollywood scumbag. Guess which one? Uh, listen to that episode of uh, of uh, Speaker to Origins with Vinny Pereira over on Smoothie Makers. I think it's number 13 or 14. I'm not quite sure, man. Um, while you're there, listen to all the Penny Marshall Smoothie Makers. Oh, they're fantastic. Four of them, man. Real education in film. Uh, she'll let you know how to do it all, man. And just an interesting, fascinating fucking woman. Listen to all the Smoothie Makers episodes. The Penny Marshall ones, man. Hit them up first. They're pretty fascinating. Uh, what else you got? Brand new Babylon this week from the Canyon Club in Agora Hills, man. Uh, it, it's a funny show. It's maybe not our strongest as we head into Babylon 100. Bird's like, don't be critical of your own shit. Uh, but it's still, definitely, it's fucking free. What do, you, what do you want, man? Me and Ralph fucking rocking it from the Candy Club in Agora Hills. Download that and listen to it to right the fuck now. New Fat Man on Batman, where me and uh, Mark Bernardin uh, talk about The Dark Knight Returns, uh, part one, the animated uh, movie they made of Frank Miller's Batman magnum opus. Listen to that. It's a great episode, man. It's a, it's a commentary track nobody asked for. Uh, we've got uh, Comic Book Men coming back to the airwaves on AMC. AMC, yes. AMC, yes. Copyright NBC from back in the fucking 80s. Uh, it starts October 14th uh, after The Walking Dead and The Talking Dead. 11.30 at night. Set your alarms, uh, kid, or fucking TiVo the shit out of it. Uh, get ready for the show by picking up Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash staff shirt like you see on the show that the boys wear, man. Go to jayandsilentbob.com is the address for all your fucking uh, needs uh, for wear and tear and whatnot. Meantime, I'm done horn, bird. Take us home, bird. Take us out of here, man. Oh, another fine Smodco podcast coming your way, children. Fly on the back of the bird of salesmanship with me. Jonathan Livingston Cell Goal, man. I love you, bird. Take my money and my heart. This is Jack Morrissey. Welcome to episode 45 of Team Jack, which I decided just today in Runyon Canyon would be titled Shuttle Fever, as we are recording this on Friday, the um, 21st of September, the day that Space Shuttle Endeavor uh, finally arrived in Los Angeles after its journey across uh, the country from presumably... I was just having this conversation with my father. I, I I don't know anything about the route it took to get here. I wasn't even aware of it until Twitter. Matt this Cohen morning. on the second mic, folks. Hello. Um, but I know it made a stop in Houston, which makes me think: was it at Houston 
You know, it came no, from it Kennedy. made a stop at Houston. Yeah. So it came from it Florida. Came from Kennedy, Florida. It came from Florida. Steve Henges on the third mic, folks. Uh, so yeah. Started at Cape who Kennedy. Who is also from Houston. That's right. Started at Cape <laughs> Kennedy, went to Houston and landed. Right. In one shot. I believe so, yes. Refueled and then flew here in one shot. Uh, arrived here by way of San Francisco. Right. And stopping at Edwards first, right? Perhaps. Oh, so it did. Yeah. It had three stops in its entire journey. I th- think so i yeah. can't confirm i can neither I, confirm I nor deny the edwards stop right but it's on its way to the california science museum right right now it's probably on its way up to the california science center which is an exposition park having flown down to anaheim did you hear did you know that uh i i knew it flew to disneyland because i saw people that's in anaheim friends of mine were on the rooftop but what they're doing actually is it's not moving yet right they're not quite done with it in like two or three weeks i believe what they're doing is they're going to uh, drive it the 12 miles from LAX to the Science Center right. through the streets and have like a ticker tape thing. That's going to be cool. But my point is, as we speak, it's, it's either landed at LAX or oh, it's, definitely landed it's on its way back up from Anaheim. Have you seen pictures of the landing? Oh, yeah. It landed at 12. Okay, I had land- no idea what oh, the no, timetable no, was. At, I landed at like uh, 12.51. I watched the right. landing live on TV. They wanted to land it at 12.59 on the dot, but they were eight minutes early. Interesting. Well, if you're listening to the and sound of my Michelle voice... Michelle Nichols did the whole commencement speech, which I found really? fucking hilarious. That's yeah. cool. She's classy. Better that than that fucking fan dance she did in Star Trek V, yeah. The Final Frontier, which I <laughs> caught again last week and on for her credit, TV and for her credit, unwatchable. Uh, Joan Lockhart was there as well. Jolene Lockhart, I think, right? No, Wait, the lady Joan, from Lost oh, in Space. Oh, oh, June Lockhart. June Lockhart. June Lockhart. Excuse me, I was close. Right, Jolene was from another Star Trek. Yeah, she was in fucking LAX today with Michelle Nichols. Wow. Welcome to Hollywood Space Shuttle Endeavor. Tell you, right? <laughs> We're lining up our ladies of science fiction to greet you. If only they'd gone by Kamikaze, they could have had like Julie Newmar and uh, yeah, exactly. all those gals, <laughs> Burt Ward. But Julie Newmar just never had a job in space on film or television. No, so what right. would the point of I that be? I went fantasy. I just went geek related. Catwoman. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, exactly. Catwoman. Catwoman. Wouldn't that be great if they had Catwoman do it? Exactly. You Gil Gerard. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, please. And you know. Or if they just busted Nimoy. out. Or if they just busted out random celebrities. Like I was at that con last weekend, and Morgan Fairchild was yeah. there signing. Oh really? Yeah. And I saw our buddy um, Alec Peters. At what convention? Kamikaze Expo. Oh yeah, because he's moving into. Anime conventions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, this morning in Runyon Canyon, which I crawled up into after my 90-minute workout with Chris McDaniel, um, I was wearing my Team Edward, James Olmos t-shirt. <laughs> always, always a favorite. But usually, every once in a while, I'll be in Runyon with that shirt on and... Uh, Someone will say, oh, I love your shirt or whatever. And it's like they're, you know, still available on the Internet from the guy who makes them, who now operates with a license from Edward James almost himself. Nice. Um, Does Edward James almost get a kickback or? I don't know quite how that license works, but I know money has changed hands. Okay. Um, and today up in Runyon, it was I go up this um, the hardest route in Runyon, I'm not bragging, but yeah. this is the fact. So you don't see a lot of people on that route. No. Uh, Eric Odom and I refer to it as Mount Doom. And you only sort of start to see people when you have reached the apex of Mount Doom, and then you're on your way back down. And suddenly, uh, well, why not? 
this is Team Jack, and it's a Hollywood-based podcast. Anyway, more information than you ever needed to know, which is also the norm. Um, as you start to make that descent, you pass a, a maroon-painted kind of farmhouse-looking structure, which is one of only two residential structures inside the uh, park limits Runyon of Runyon proper. Canyon Park. Um, and this particular structure, the other structure uh, was designed and built by Frank Lloyd, um, Lloyd Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright's son, in case you didn't know that, Matt Cohen. Which one? The one, the one that's the on the hill that's the now gates? surrounded by all this tacky shit yeah, that yeah, the, the owners gate, have. Yeah, the gated one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other one, the, horse, the maroon painted, the horse yes, with two horses, next to the, an uh, awesome next to the goat. Gulf, next to the Gulf Stream. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gulf Stream trailer. Um, I love that goat. As opposed to Gulf Stream restaurant in Century City. Is owned by Randall Kleiser, the director of Grease, Flight of the Navigator, The Blue Lagoon, one of my personal favorites, and not that. even guilty, Grandview, USA. All right. See Thomas Howe for the win. Um, I first noticed as I dropped down by Randall's place in, in Los Angeles, we can refer to people that we actually know by their first names, right. and I actually know Randall Kleiser. So I dropped down by Randall's place, and I saw on this little ridge facing the Hollywood sign, two people with a beach umbrella or two beach umbrellas. I j just saw their backs, which was perfect because I busted out my iPhone and took a picture of them without <laughs> them knowing it. And I put it right up on my Facebook wall. So if by chance you're actually still tuned in and listening to the sound of my voice by episode 45 of Team Jack here, send me a friend request on Facebook. I accept all comers as the expression goes. Uh, it's at facebook.com slash the real Jack Morrissey with two R's and two S's. I will accept your friend request and then you can see all of my uh, magnificent content that I try to post daily, usually with some success, uh, onto my Facebook wall, all of which auto converts into tweets, which you can also, you can also get it that way by following me at Jack underscore Morrissey. I think all that stuff is additionally retweeted by team underscore Jack, but anyway. I put a picture of these two up with the caption. It's like that scene out of Close Encounters, <laughs> which is where uh, Richard Dreyfuss's uh, Roy Neary comes across all of these sort of bumpkins and yahoos who are on the back of their pickup trucks. All on the highway, like waiting. For all gathered around the road, yeah. waiting for what has become nightly Close Encounters of, I think, the second kind. Got that's Oculus here. That's no, that's Cheryl, our postal lady. What is this madness? I know it's the front door Friday. It's front door Fridays. It's always a fucking shit show here on Fridays. Anyway, um, great if it was like the um, fuck. I want to say Lawrence Welk, but I feel like there was some old variety show where it was in someone's like living room and the doorbell would ring and they'd be like, "Oh look, it's someone uh, fun would come Desi Arnaz." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so those were the first two that I saw with their two umbrellas, and then as I started the descent. More and more and more and more and more and more. People and I've, trekking up to see I've also posted photographs of those groups. There were literally hundreds and hundreds of people in Runyon Canyon this morning, most many or most of whom had likely never been there in their life. Right. Um, I heard people d talking anecdotally as I was passing them on my way down of like, the last time I was up here, dot, 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 um, all to basically face east and 
um, catch the shuttle piggybacked onto the 747 as it uh, sort of entered the L.A. Basin area uh, by the Hollywood sign. Plain sex. That's what it looked like. Plain sex? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sex. totally. <laughs> and, like the, and like the two little jets just like to watch. They were voyeurs. <laughs> that was what I looked at. Exactly. Um, the Endeavor was the fourth and the newest shuttle, correct? I don't know. I think in the line, I think it was. I think it was the it was the most new shuttle of all the four. Or That's interesting. Two of them are longer. I mean, um, here's the thing, though. I mean, it was for me. It was a little startling. I also posted this to Facebook. It's like I kind of thought. Um, I have a couple of friends of mine. One of them, in particular, uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, who's a writer director and also I think a DVD. Brian was Brian Singer's DVD producer. Um was obsessed with the shuttle and so he was constantly he's been posting photographs and links to new news articles all week long about the shuttle's journey westward right um but aside from rob's enthusiasm which which is needless to say not limited to the shuttle but also encompasses james bond um and lots of other things that he's obsessed with uh I sort of, in my personal life, ha- don't have a lot of people around me, uh, dinners or whatever, who are talking about the space shuttle program or, or enthusiastic or excited about the idea of a shuttle coming, sort of finding its permanent home here in Los Angeles. So to see literally hundreds and hundreds of people inside Runyon Canyon, which is usually, it's not deserted, but it's usually pretty sparse at that hour, right. especially at that hour of the day. Um was startling, but then we, I made my way back up here to the house, and um, my friends Adam and Eric were already here, and we literally looked across this sort of small crook or canyon that we uh, live in and saw KCRW DJ Ann Litt and her husband, uh, writer-director Howard Franklin, also out on their deck and so all of us just sort of stood there waiting uh waiting for it to show up and when it finally did over downtown la at first initially um before it circled you know it, it went on this very circuitous route all through the basin and there's actually a news story up that shows you exactly what the map was right. um as it made multiple passes over different regions of the la basin um when it circled back around, it flew east toward the Hollywood sign, which I'm sure will be a, a spectacular photograph, right. which I still have not seen, um, behind our house. So we could hear it flying, and we're all out at the very end of our sort of deck. Lean- all right, phone call handled. There's a weird sound coming from like... Yeah. It's the first time I've registered it. Have you heard yeah, it sooner? Yeah, it's been on for a while, yeah. Marlon Wayne's is downstairs watching TV. No, it's actually, it's, <laughs> it's a little more interesting than that. I'm going to go and turn it off, and it is not pornography. <laughs> Hang on. Um, and what that noise turned out to be actually was the current cut of Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2, which I've been watching in my office Ain't before you Steve jealous? turned up. Ain't you jealous, ladies? <laughs> Let play. Um, so everybody's going to stop the podcast, go back and see if they can decipher what was going on. Anything, any detectable <laughs> dialogue or anything. Yeah. Good luck to you. Um, 
So when we saw the shuttle come back around, it was like, holy fucking shit, I get it. It, w- it was pretty sensational. Have we moved past that? What were we no, on before? No, that's exactly where we were. Yeah, it was, my, my, I got it. It was pretty spectacular. My problem with it was, and my view wasn't How as can good. you have a problem with it? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> my view wasn't as good as yours. Uh, the first time I saw it, it was like crossing my street, and I was like, where the fuck did it just come from? I missed its entire route. It was heading south. It's like we're talking about Godzilla here. Yeah, yeah. I missed its entire route, and I was like, well, that sucks. I saw it for two seconds. He's in Times Square now. Right. <laughs> then I got to see it do two loops around the hills from where I'm at. I'm basically the opposite wow. vantage point of view. I can see wow. all the hill. I can I see the Hollywood sign from my apartment. Wow. So okay. I watched it do that loop. But my problem was... I didn't know which one was the airplane and which one was the shuttle. So until I saw the landing on TV, I, I thought the 747 was the shuttle because I assumed it would be bigger than an airplane. And I know that doesn't make any physical right. sense whatsoever. <laughs> but that was where I was at. So I didn't know what can I was we looking also, at. Can we also say you did mushrooms last night? Right, yeah. Sure, but that was last night. <laughs> that was good by fucking 3 a.m. Mushrooms and tequila a, for the a win. about path. It didn't take a direct path. It seems like it tried to hit all of L.A. so everybody could see it. Which is great. And by the way, and then, as we've already discussed, drops down and flies over Disneyland. Which is, yeah. And versus the you know inevi- the inevitable and worthwhile outdoor campaign that will go up once they open this exhibit of billboards all around LA county what's this worth yeah i mean a lot of money um because of the brilliant the science museum or the space museum isn't doesn't have a, a big draw right now does it this is like their new showpiece and it will be the showpiece for all time, yeah. yeah. How many shuttles were there, Steve Hedges? I believe, I, I believe there were four. Two of them you know, exploded. Um, Two exploded? Challenger and Columbia. Really? Uh, Challenger first. Then even though Columbia was the first, the, spurs, the first shuttle, it exploded years after. Oh, I, wow. I, mean, I think Challenger Oops, was my the, ignorance is showing. Challenger Columbia the, exploded? Yeah. Killing people? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Which one exploded when I was in college? Uh, Challenger was in the 80s. Yeah, um, that's the one I saw. And that was the first one. That was like the teacher, Klesher McAuliffe, was the first. Civilian. I saw that live on TV. Right. That was disturbing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Columbia, if memory serves, exploded or disintegrated on reentry. Challenger obviously exploded on, when it took off. Oh, God, I have um, no memory of that. If that occurred, by the way, during the years that I knew you, 1991 through 94, it's a loss. Yeah, I think I feel like I was here already. Really? The second one exploding we're talking about? Yeah. Was it not? It definitely was not in the 2000s. Am I wrong? I, it could be in the 2000s. It's like my, you know, because it all I, kind of blurs together. I at have some a point. vivid memory of being in Penn Station and a homeless Newark? gentleman. Newark or New York? New York. Okay. And a homeless gentleman walked up to me and was like, you heard about that? I'm astronaut blowing Like he was really, really topical and wanted to discuss the news with me. And he wow. was like super fucking homeless, like garbage wow. bag clothes. Wow. So it was a big event. I think I want to say it was like, I don't know. I could be way wrong. Maybe um, 2003. Right. How bizarre. What year was it that the Enterprise exploded <laughs> over SETI Alpha Star date. Star date. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Not to make light of it or anything, but... um. Did the Enterprise really explode? The USS Enterprise, NCC-1701, from Star Trek, Matt Cohen. No, I know. Yeah. When did... what? When, in Star what? Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The Enterprise explodes? The Enterprise explodes and burns up in the atmosphere I don't of remember. SETI Alpha 
I don't or remember. Or no, the Genesis Planet. I'll tell you the I'm truth, sorry. though. I bought that Apologies box, I bought that box set on Blu-ray and watched them all in like a day. Yeah. By the time I got to the third one. Yeah. First one was so bad that I was like, I'm not going to do any more of these. It's not bad. It's just dull. There's nothing ha- Nothing happens. My nothing favorite one, happen, incidentally, Humpback Whales in Outer Space. That's your favorite one? Yeah. Star Trek Because it's got the most humor. Yes. And it's like my favorite Planet of the Apes is beneath. <laughs> the one where fucking they're in a hotel room and they're talking. <laughs> And what were the monkeys have Lost closed? in translation. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like when they take super serious like sci-fi fucking franchises and make like a goofy one. It's really funny. Right, right. Uh, they throw one away. Sulu like stabbing the bus and shit. I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, uh. totally. So Space Shuttle Columbia exploded over Texas and Louisiana on February 1st, 2003. Yes, I was right. Wow, I haven't I done that many drugs. Living in Los Angeles as well. Yeah, we were. I was already here. How many astronauts were killed? Uh. I believe seven, but let me see here. And what was the uh, cause of the explosion determined to be? I believe it was the heat shield tiles. You know, there were missing heat tiles. Yes. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the O-ring was Challenger. and then the, That's right. So. That's right. But, uh, yeah. It's weird, especially, I think, for people my age. Uh, I really never... Which could- is... 27 turning 28 in a month happy birthday in thank advance, you sir Cohen. um i have no deep appreciation for like the space program or space in general it was never my thing right i like sci-fi but the actual practical like i don't know a single i didn't even know it was a shuttle i thought it, i just right. kept calling it a spaceship like i didn't know what it did right but and i think my generation is a lot like like that in a big way and that's why they're, they shut down nasa because no one really kind of gives a shit anymore because we have I, we have iphones now that being said though Everyone I know got super excited, and I did. I this. did too, and it makes yeah. you realize, like, wow, maybe we should still have a space program because look how excited we all just got by seeing a space. Absolutely, spa- you know what I mean. We do have a space program. It's just now it's a different focus. It's you know, Mars. yeah, they're moving into rockets. Yeah, it's jet moving propul- back to jet, rockets. That's jet the, the propulsion, system, right? Or, I mean, lasted longer than any other, you know, yeah, space program. Yep. Um, yeah, and do look at everything that's happening with Mars. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, we can see pictures from Mars now. That's I guess so. Yeah. So, so when they say they're shutting down, it, the, our space program has stopped. They mean just Moon. The shuttle program has stopped. So, but there's gonna, they won't be sending manned people, manned ships to space anymore. I think that's in development. Is yeah, a Mars lander um, with humans, on humans eventually. Yeah. What does that What does that trip take? Like six years or something? Uh, is it that long? It, it depends on whether or not we deploy the. Uh, Hyper, uh, Hyperspace. <laughs> Hyperdrive. No, I was going to make a 2010 Punch it, reference. Chewy. <laughs> I was going to make a 2010 reference. I think they called it an Aerofloat. I love 2010. I could probably get Peter Hyams on this podcast. That's a very underrated. No I didn't even know there was a sequel to I, I 2001. I 2010 to 2001. I know that's like... What's up, Steve Henges? So do I. <laughs> I don't like 2001 at all. I don't care if it's heretical. Yeah, it's... Go fuck yourself. A, I mean, Roy Scheider. You can't go wrong. Um, right. It's a great movie. How about the interesting thing is, though, let me just look this up. I have to actually bust out my calculator on the iPhone. So fucking pathetic. I blame Catholic school. Speaking of iPhone, anybody buy the new iPhone 5 yet? Yes, I did. You did? No, yes, I, I did. Nice. Um, and let, let me just say that I was not yet eligible for that upgrade. I'm not either, so, so I switched switch carriers. Penny. I'm just remarking that... 114 years ago, a century ago, plus 14, H.G. Wells published The War of the Worlds. 
which imagined, which opens with that sort of across the distant stars. Right. This is what they were up to on Mars, looking at the, you know, the tiny blue planet. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you also wonder all the movies making about, their plans or all the science fiction ideas is the further we go out, do we attract, I mean, there's, you know, to believe there's nothing out there is kind of, I don't, who believes that anymore? I, I think so. I mean, there's water on Mars, right? Right. I mean, so there's, there's, we're a small, tiny fragment. Totally. Galaxy, totally. what, you know, whatever. So it's, it's like, ridiculous. To believe that we're the, you know, the smartest, most evolved beings is kind of absurd. There is a, um, boy, I don't know that we've gone here yet in the podcast. It took us 45 episodes <laughs> to get here. Coincidentally, I'm 45 years old and I've been seeing the same shrink for 10 years and he's amazing. Um, one of the peaks, if not the peak, that you aspire to in psychiatry or psychology is the so-called depressive condition. Does it? Does this sound familiar to any of, to either of you? Have we covered this territory? No, because this comes up in my life a lot. There's an interesting. There's an interesting connection that I made. I would say about a month ago, talking to a friend of mine who is Irish. And that is that one thing that the You've Irish... You've been drinking with a friend of yours, right? No, talking. I'm kidding. One thing that the Irish are known for, obviously, in their cultural works, be it literature, uh, music, is usually that sense of the so-called Irish melancholy. Right. Right? Danny boy. That, that wistful sense, that, melan that melancholia. Right. So it's just interesting that that one ethnicity, if you will, I don't know, that doesn't really, culture, nationality. nationality. But yes, but exactly, culture is sort of, that's mostly the crayon in the box that they keep circling back around to right. that they're best known for is melancholy. Right. Right. Um, Another guy I know, who is Lebanese from Beirut, turned me on to a Japanese expression, which is mono no aware, spelled M-O-N-O, -O, uh, like that disease that just last month you had in your throat, <laughs> Matt Cohen. <laughs> and then the word no, and then the word aware is an awareness. And mono no aware is a Japanese expression of the recognition and realization uh, of all life passing away as you experience it and a gentle wistfulness at its passing, right? So, for instance, when our dog Pigpen died last December, I think, I put his picture up on my Facebook wall, and, and beneath that I marked the date, the time, the uh, time specifically that right. he died because we had to send him on his way. He had, he had been having many strokes all right. night long. And so the minute I watched him stop breathing, which the vet warned me would be very fast. And it was with, for like a 28 pound dog. Yeah. I literally like looked at my, looked at my iPhone and then took a picture of the screen. Yeah. So I have in my, I photo now. I feel like I'm talking a lot for this episode, which is unusual for me. I don't, or isn't, I don't know. In my, um, 
photos on my Mac now, I have a picture of Eric Odom's face as a vampire, as Peter the Nomad in, in uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2, with the date and the time, because that's my lock screen right. image or whatever the fuck oh, you that call was, it. Oh, that was already on your screen. So it was already on my picture. screen with the date and time that Pigpen Passed left, right. right? So I put put all those stats up on Facebook and beneath that, Mono no aware. Right. Well, here's the interesting thing. The depressive condition is kind of what you're working toward in psychiatry or psychology. And that is, I'll, I'll fuck it up. So you're just getting an anecdotal definition and interested parties should go ahead and Google it. It's basically the same thing. It's, it's a psycho, it's a, a full psychological realization of the, I'm probably embellishing a little here, but the unbelievably random, statistically almost impossible um, reality of actual the fact that we're actually even fucking here. Right. Let alone live in structures that we build that we then, and we know how to cool air inside the structures. Obviously, not all of us, not, you know... People who, as as we record this, are climbing on the you know that giant trash mound in Calcutta looking yeah, for yeah. for dinner or whatnot. But um, once you realize that, once you really get that, you know, you, you shall not pass this way again. Even if you're just in the drive-through at McDonald's, that it's all passing away, right? Um, and that it's so the fact that you're even having the experience is is so crazy, um spectacularly uh, random, the fact that you're having an experience of life, the fact that any of this exists, once you really get that in your head, the fact that any of this exists, the fact that, you're, that you are conscious and you're experiencing it, right. but that you will not last forever, guess what? It's fucking depressing. <laughs> Hence the title, The Depressive Condition. So once you get that, it's, it's hard to attain. It's hard to hang on to it. Right. Because let's face it, most of one of the other things you'll learn if you um, happen to have a phenomenal shrink. Uh, and for me, I can't even believe I'm talking about this, but it's like the great thing about a shrink is if you get someone who's obviously, you know, very pedigreed, knows all the school of thought, all the schools of thought. Mine happens to teach at the graduate level of UCLA. Mine also happens to um, work with the criminal justice, federal criminal justice system downtown. Shrinks don't generally tell you too much about them or what they get up to or their right. personal life because it, it, it could interfere with the so-called work, right. right? But I once point blank asked mine, having heard about the federal criminal justice system and uh, him sort of alluding to certain areas of specialization. And it should be known that I was just, I was referred to this guy by another guy, not by the court system or myself right. or anything <laughs> like that um, because appointed. of what I'm about to tell you. So I say to my guy, so have you ever met like a real bona fide mass murderer or serial killer for psychological evaluation? And this guy looks at me and he goes, 
Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the great things about being lucky enough to afford that experience of of hanging with that guy for a week is um, all they do is sit and listen to other people. Yeah. And then they go and talk to other shrinks who right. are presumably at the top of their field who do nothing but sit and listen to other people. And obviously... Shrinks for people too. Then they go out to dinner at restaurants. They go see movies in movie theaters. They right. watch DVDs at home. Shrinks, mine they're just to, like us. <laughs> they are. Mine is really, really like us because mine will go to, uh, and now I'm going to have to report that, uh, of course, I discussed all this. Right. Well, don't you talk about movies with your shrink, right? Yeah, because he goes to see every horror movie. <laughs> Have you ever Pretty seen much him? every horror movie. He, will, he doesn't get down with torture porn. Right. Probably again. <laughs> Because he, he's, he's met the, the real, real thing, players. Yeah. yeah. But like res, at the end of the last sesh, he's like, Resident Evil, Apocalypse, or whatever the latest yeah. installment is titled. I liked it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Saw it twice. Oh, whoa. Wow. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. That would make guy. me switch shrinks. <laughs> but here's the thing. It, it's, it's just that, that he has that very specific taste. Dark Knight, he has no interest in. Yeah. Certain, I've really had to to like um, work hard to get him to watch certain movies where it's like, come on, dude, I'm telling you, it's yeah. fucking great. Check it out. And I've never steered him wrong. Meaning, I've never told him to go get something and then had him go get it and come back and go, eh, more yeah. your taste than mine. He's loved everything. Pardon me. He's loved everything that I've given him, and in fact. There is an amazing, um, amazing, amazing, amazing documentary called The Bridge, which we did discuss, Matt Cohen. And no, we were talking about not. it this weekend um, in Catalina. Fucked up documentary, though. It's good. You don't like it? I do. I have some moral objections to it. I feel right. like in the intervening years since I first saw it. Right. Super powerful, but... Right. but Exploit over. A little bit. Like, I don't... I for I mean we're going to describe it I guess it's it's about the bridge in San Fran. Yeah, it's about the Golden Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge which and the all shuttle the endeavor just flew over the that uh, that jump off it and kill themselves. But they yeah. actually filmed how many suicides in it? Well, what they did was they set up a camera on the morning on the of January one two thousand and whatever. It's been a few years. Yeah. They had two cameras start rolling at dawn. One on the South end of the bridge, one of the north end of the bridge. Both cameras were covering the eastern side of the bridge, which is where most, if not all, jumps occur because the west side of the Golden Gate Bridge is closed to pedestrian traffic, right. cyclists only. Right. So on the morning of January 1 in whatever year, these two cameras started rolling, and they shot all day until dusk. Every day for a year. Every day for that calendar year. And I believe they, they, got, uh, they recorded on film all but maybe one or two of the recorded fatalities at the Golden Gate Bridge in that, within that calendar totally. year. Totally, and 
I believe the way it's structured, and again, it's been a while, but you don't see anything for the first 30 or so minutes of the film. They just talk about it. And then you see the first no, guy. No, I think you see a jumper. Like, Do you see a jumper yeah, right away? It, it yeah. opens with the guy, like the through line is there's a guy that, oh, that when he's walking that, back and they, forth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Building up to yeah. the jump. I, it's yeah. weird because I, I feel like I watched it in my apartment, like stoned on my couch, and I got this real weird sense of like, I don't... I felt inappropriate to be a voyeur on these actual people's deaths. Yeah, right. you do, especially you feel because very you, dirty watching the guy yes, walking back and forth. But, totally, yeah. because and okay, now I remember the big controversy because you're almost and this is a real sick thing, but the theory was that the way they did that, you're almost rooting for the guy to do something by the end of the movie because they've been teasing, building it up for the they've jump. been building it up for the jump for four. See, I didn't for have that hour. experience with that movie, so again, it's sort of every movie and every movie watcher different, right? Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I've probably watched that movie 50, 75 times. And I have to, and I have to honestly say, given that we're like shockingly again, thing I love about podcasting, Kevin Smith never told me when he back at the beginning is you find yourself in these waters where yeah. you're just like, wait, what, how the fuck did we get here? <laughs> so I've seen it probably 50 or 50 or 75 times. I've bought and given away 20, 25 copies of that DVD. Wow. Uh, I urged the shrink to look at it. He looked at it. He now teaches it to those grad students at UCLA. Wow. He's watched it it numerous times. And I have to say, it's weird. Like for a kid, I should preface all this shrink talk with the fact that, you know, I grew up with two not off the boat Irish and not even... You know, my my grandparents weren't even off the boat, but Irish American alcoholics, right? So I grew up in an alcoholic household. My mom got sober before my dad. She immediately, I saw my first child psychologist when I was like five years old because my mom thought I was angry. Um, as soon as she got herself sober, she put the put uh, myself, my brother and sister into Alateen. From there, I think we went into Al-Anon. When my dad got sober, which happened after an intervention with all of us and his commanding officer up at Fort Drum, New York, then we went into like aggressive family therapy. And then I think I had another therapist, again, who, you know, what didn't have the degrees and stuff of a psychologist or a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, when I was in my like late teens or early 20s and then nothing until I turned 35 and I've, I like fell into this big depression, but even through, but through anything thick and thin and a life that's been pretty much great. I've never had a suicidal thought ever. That said, I love this movie mostly as a tone poem. Yeah. Maybe that's why you love it though. Cause you've never actually had a suicidal thought. That's probably true. It's a pretty, you? It, oh yeah, totally. So, I've, I've struggled Steve with Hinges? like the guy I've struggled with like pretty clinical depression my whole life. So I can't really watch stuff like that without getting insanely bummed out. Like I've got a right. constant morbid streak that runs whenever I can. Are you Irish? Slow, no, I'm Jewish, but I, okay. it's, it's a death thing. Right. So but, if I ever slow down and think that as an, a very easy ability to pervade all my thoughts. So I just try right. not to let it at all. Right. But if, um, you, if you were seriously considering jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and you saw this movie and there's the guy in the movie who actually survived. Yeah. He was saying he realized he the decided halfway. He, he decided that yeah. I don't want to die. Yep. Don't you think that outweigh, it maybe inspires someone to, to seek other treatment, to seek treatment, to maybe talk to someone before they take that leap? I, 
I mean, I can well, see the exploitive nature of it, but I think there's you can exploit I definitely, anything. I definitely think there are positives to be had from it. It's just. It's a weird subject, man. Because especially, like, I don't think so particularly. Because if you're at if you're at a point where you're about to jump off the fucking Golden Bay Bridge, I don't think anything anyone well, else. No, if you're already up there, yeah, I know you've got the phone. But I mean, I'm talking if you're if you're oh, if you're even if, contemplating, if you're contemplating, it. you know, I think because most, I think a lot of people contemplate or think about. They're not really serious about it, but they think about. You know, life would be a lot easier if I just wasn't here. Everybody has hard days, hard weeks, hard months, hard years, but. Well, you would hope the thing that, that, that really, I think, carried through from the movie, and again, I haven't seen it in a while, but I think the thing that prevents most people from ever taking those thoughts seriously are not the selfish, what would happen to me, it's what happens to your exactly. family. What, what you leave behind. You hurt them way worse yes. than you could ever hurt yourself and by killing I think yourself. when you're in that state, you don't think about the people No, exactly. And that's, and that's why it is great to see the right. film, because it gives you perspective on what they have to leave behind right. for, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm literally... <laughs> what? I'm just tweeting about this. <laughs> um, and you have this. You have this, this is probably the deepest that we've ever gone on this show, which is interesting because that'll be an interesting segue into considering literal that depths I'm like that the you least and I will person here. about discussed. What's that? Just considering I'm one of the least deep guests you oh, had. Please. <laughs> um, I love it as a tone poem. I love it as I love the score by Alex Hefes. Which you. Which I am going to give you the complete right. fucking score, which was never made commercially available. Um, I have a whole collection of Jack Morrissey scores that you get that are not out. Bootlegs. Public. Yes. Steve, what's your uh, t- handle again? Twitter is at Stephen Hinches at five underscore states. Where the hell is it? That's your Twitter handle? Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. Not Oh, wow. Your Twitter handle would be at and then something. Oh, see, I, this is how well, this is how much I tweet. Hate to stop the show here, folks, Although but I did, I did I get did underway with day. this. I can't find it. Isn't it just at Stephen Hinges? It's Stephen Hinges at five states. Like no. that, right? That's not it. No, it's at five underscore states. Oh, okay. The top part. The top part's your real <laughs> name. Number five or let spelled out. Number five. Uh, number five. Number five. Oh, okay. So I got states. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of new Steve, to Steve, you need to rebrand media. yourself. And I know. I hate to say, speaking of depths, you need to re- rebrand yourself. <laughs> five under, the number five underscore states? Yeah. It's so I, weird. It I need some social up. media guidance from... <laughs> well, I have all kinds of people. Who I, yeah, I hear you. You have you. some people that do that well. Um, the, the cinematography is spectacular, and the documentary filmmaker who I know... I uh, pushed my way into a lunch with him. Like we could probably get right on the show and debate this. Um, uh, managed to get all of the information that he could about the identities of the actual jumpers and then sort of followed those vines back to their survivors, be it their family, their closest friends, and the stories that are contained in this documentary, again, titled The Bridge, uh, when you go look for it at Amazon, just look for a photograph of the Golden Gate Bridge in fog, right. of course, um, are unfucking believable I mean, in, just in terms of humanity, you yeah. can't... I mean, you... I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I'm, th- I'm trying, sitting here trying to think of ways not to say it or ways to say it otherwise this guy got so lucky because the, the survivors of most of these people 
are fascinating, amazing human beings, uh, including one woman who is best friends with the subject they keep coming back to over the course of the movie, who's a long-haired, leather-jacketed guy uh, who had a best friend who was an older woman, probably in her 60s, and she's probably in her early 70s now. She actually ran for public office in San Francisco, and I understand from the director she's since relocated to the desert here. Um, she is fucking amazing. And she's basic. She's in the top five reasons that I've watched that documentary right. as many times as I have. And basically... She is exactly what I hope to aspire to by her age, if not sooner, please God. And with the help of the shrink, this woman is so together and effortlessly wise. It's yeah. watching this woman is like watching Yoda in actual modern right. human reality. She is just unfucking believable. Anyway, I'd love to get her on here. I'm, yeah. I wouldn't even be able to control myself though. She's just so chill. Um, the bridge, check it out. But uh, just interesting. Again, Irish melancholy, mono no aware, the depressive condition, it all links up. And I do find, generally speaking, that the movies that I'm most attracted to or the music that I'm most attracted to always has that tone in it. Right. Um, which is why, I mean, when people ask me it's sort of about my relationship to... Uh, Bill's, Bill Condon's movies. Um, it's like for me, Gods and Monsters and Kinsey would have been my favorite movies of that year, regardless of whether or not I'd right. ever met the guy because of that tone yeah. that he tends to find himself coming back to again. And Condon, another Irish American dude. Well, there's you know? a reason you guys are together. It's that, that attraction. With, what Although we never talk about that. Right. And, and we, we don't tend not to dwell on it, but he. He works in that tone, and he works in that tone very, very well and very, very effectively. Adam Cook and I, watching the rough cut of Gods and Monsters when it was finally together, having read multiple drafts of that script many times and having visited set and watching these scenes being shot with Ian McKellen and Lynn Redgrave, Brendan Fraser, still didn't get it. And then when we watched the rough cut, which had, which was using um, uh, a piece of music by Arvo Pert. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I'll dig it. Um, I have it on my iPhone. Uh, watching that as uh, Ian McKellen playing Jim, James Whale um, sees or doesn't see the, uh, you know, the great love of his life who was killed you know, out in the on the battlefield in right. World War One, and whose body was left um, on the wire. Uh, Adam and I just fucking lost it. I mean, like racking sobs watching this. Where is it? Part of the the worst thing about like knowing all this stuff is um, then you have to kind of look it up yeah. quickly, so as not to kill a podcast and. Uh, if I haven't already done that. Anyway, where is it? Come on. Anyway, I'll keep looking for this. Um, Speaking of deep. <laughs> Steve and I were both deep. And tomorrow on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the real Jack Morrissey, we, uh, I will be sharing over from Steve Henge's page, uh, which we will not give you the URL for because at number one, Steve probably doesn't even know it. And number, <laughs> two, I don't. number two, Steve is not necessarily <laughs> accepting all comers at Facebook. 
Also but um, <laughs> but uh, Steve and I spent last weekend out at uh, in the lovely harbor town of Avalon on the lovely Isle, Isle of Catalina off the coast of Southern California where Chris McDaniel and I uh, with Steve Henges. Matt Carey. Matt Carey and... Um, Shane Spring. Shane Spring all... Uh, well, Chris and I got our advanced certification... Uh, with Steve uh, and Matt, who are already advanced certified. Shane Spring, obviously, is, to say the least, advanced certified. And, um, by the way, it's Spiegel, I Am Spiegel by Arvo Pert. Ah, Just check out that nice piece. Cool. S-P-I-E-G-E-L, S-P-I-E-G-E-L, I Am, and then the same word again. Uh, and I dare you not to get yourself in, in, into a mood and... Have a cry while you listen to that, um, which Mike Nichols also used extensively in Wit with Emma Thompson on HBO. Use font of useless information. Uh, so yeah, we spent the weekend uh, at Avalon. We stayed in a fucking spectacular rental that Shane found for us at Hamilton Cove. Hamilton Cove, very nice. It came with its own golf cart. It's fucking amazing. Um, and uh, we went under. We did. We did uh, deep dive, night dive. Yeah. Um, you guys, we did. Tomorrow, you will, uh, tomorrow on tomorrow, your Facebook and then on my Facebook, right. uh, you will be dive. posting video from the night dive. Right. There's, already, there's already video up of you, fe- you and Chris feeding the fish, which is quite right. entertaining. Which we used uh, promenade tourists on the menu from John Williams right. score from Jaws. And uh, for the night dive, we're using Jerry Goldsmith's main title from Alien, which fits just as perfectly right. as the Jaws piece fit to the fi- to the uh, fish feeding short video. Um, how deep did we go on Sunday morning? Uh, we went ninety eight feet. Wow. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, we saw a moray eel. We went looking for one, and Shane found us one. Matt, you want to chime in with your own bitch-ass moray eel <laughs> story? One time I went scuba diving was in Hawaii, and it was like the, the most... Am- the beginning and the end of <laughs> It was Matt the Cohen's most amazing experience of my life. Short and brilliant career in scuba. Until I saw a fucking eel and... I, Free swimming. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. It was immediately... Ours gone. was in did a cave. Did it come at you, or did it... You just swam? No, it just swam by. I literally just saw it that was in the ocean, and that was enough to remind me that there was stuff in there I didn't like. So now, yeah. if you had seen a shark, would that have been more frightening, or... Um, probably less. Really? Okay. Yeah. I have an aesthetic thing with eels. eels. Yeah, yeah. Do you have an aesthetic thing with snakes? Uh, yeah, I don't like them either. Yeah. Worms. Uh, worms, I'm okay with. Leeches. Not a leeches fan. I'm, I'm like not into creepy crawlies at Slimey. all. Rodents, I'm, not, I'm generally can, speaking, not into things without any appendages. Yeah, I rodents, either. I can totally do. So I'm not afraid yeah. of rats or mice or any of that kind of shit. Yeah. I I like mammals, I guess, but any kind of insect or yeah. Other fucking thing, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm not scared of many things. Snakes it could be a garden snake. I, yeah, no, I'm terrified. Of uh, yeah. Like, like less than six months ago, I was in Florida with my parents, and we were doing like this nature walk thing. Um, and there, we were looking, like, looking at alligators. It was awesome on this boardwalk that like cut through the the swamp down in um Boca Raton area. It's awesome until you uh, lose balance. Yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't even the balance. I saw a small garden snake like wriggle across. By the way, is and it, I, re- I refuse alligators. You're not afraid of that. You're <laughs> no, not afraid of a snake. I refuse to walk any further. I'm right there with you because I, I, I realized way. that there. Could, I was like, fuck. I didn't even realize there could be snakes here. I'm outside now. By the way, now. is it garden or garter? Garter. 
It is, is it garter, garter snake? right? I it's garter snake. Isn't that a common mispronunciation? Yeah, people, yeah. They, they call them garden snakes. They just they assume they're garter. benign snakes right. that live out in the garden. Right. But it's actually a garter, garter snake. snake that you can, if you can convince it to Hop swallow its own tail yeah. Oh, yeah, and hold its position, you can just wear it right yeah. around mm-hmm. your thigh. Farewell and yeah. adieu to you, fair Spanish you ever, ladies. You have to speak parcel or, tongue, though. Have you been bitten by a snake or you just... No. I was no. bitten by a snake. Oh, my God. I was bitten by a baby copperhead. Wow! Yikes! Insanely poisonous. What were you doing? I was a, I was in camp. I was in summer camp, mm-hmm. and I was a CIT, which is a counselor in training. And uh, we're the was, CIT, right? so pity us. And I was working the horse stables, and uh, so luckily, it's what saved my Meatballs life. Meatballs reference. Um, I was wearing boots, and uh, I was coming back late at night uh, from the main. Like it was a co-ed camp. In the Where pool. was the camp, Steve? It was in Texas, outside. Of course, of- you were wearing boots. Uh, you know. <laughs> Um, you were wearing boots at the dance well, at camp, Steve. Thing. I was doing. I was. Uh, <laughs> I was doing both. In that summer, I was doing both the horse stables and sailing. And so most of the time, I was in the sailing or the waterfront. So I was wearing flip flops. Right. And I, t- I take this mile walk through the woods every day in flip flops right. with no problem. Right. This particular day, I was luckily I was working at the stables, coming back late at night after chow, and um, but by myself, and I had a. Fl- it was like out of a scene out of a horror movie. I'm walking along about halfway there. And my flashlight starts to do that, that battery dying flicker. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm not too worried. And then you bang it against what, your palm, exactly. so that's, right? Is I bang it? Because, like, hey, that works like in that movies. Works. I bang it against my palm. It flitters. It goes out. I'm like, shit. So I hit it again. I get one last burst of light, just enough to see something moving across Holy fuck. the path in front of me. And, I, you know, I scream like a girl i do this crazy ass dance yeah and i take off running as fast as i can a mile through this the woods to the small trail so i get right. to the first camp and i get there and i'm screaming i'm out of breath i'm screaming i'm 12 years old i'm or not right. I, I was a little older because i was a cit i think i was 14 or 15 right um, i've been going to this camp for years by by the way steve how old were you when you lost your virginity uh 17 Oh, late yeah, I, bloomer. Didn't, I didn't lose my virginity at camp. I, I kissed my first girl at camp. I touched my first boob. I, all that stuff. But I Interesting. didn't. Uh... Wouldn't it be great if you had touched your first boob at like 23 <laughs> and just left us in a mental lurch? Like, wait a minute. Well, again, another Jaws reference. I got that beat. <laughs> I got that beat. But first, Matt Cohen, how old were you when you lost your virginity? 18. 18. I was a late bloomer. 29. Really? Wow. Well, to a dude, though. Maybe 30. It would take that long to... Yeah. Well, and let's just say, since we're already... We're so fucking deep in already. Let me just say that insofar as a lot of gay guys are concerned, I still haven't. Oh, you didn't. You never did. I've never plowed nor been plowed. Oh, I was talking about... (laughs) Have you ever had sex with a woman before you had sex with a guy? No. Okay. I've never had sex with a woman. Well, Well, it depends on how you... Anyway, <laughs> you're getting very Clintonish right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, anyway, back to this quick to finish the 50 story. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Is so I get to this the first camp and then where there's light and there's a I there's a little baby copperhead head right in my like a t- like bitten through my boot and it's like I, in, in my dance you brought ripped, the head I, back I, I I ripped off, I stepped on the body ripped the head off not knowing and it, it hung on it's still like yeah. moving and so they just the head just the head or a, a little portion of the body but you know wow. not much and uh they pull they slowly pull the boot off and the fangs have just penetrated the the leather uh of the boot and uh but didn't go through the sock thank god that's enough to 
forever scare me shitless of snakes. How about how about the disturbing the how about the disturbing aquatic ability of so-called water moccasins the to not only swim along on the surface of the water Underwater, with their yeah. highly venomous payload yes. in their two fangs, but yes, also under the fucking water. Yeah. Fuck nature. That's all I have to say sometimes, <laughs> honestly. And I'm like a big nature enthusiast. But the only time I've ever been bitten, other than like getting stung by bees, I was stung by a Portuguese man of war, I believe. Yeah, it's a jellyfish. And that actually, like, I had like an allergic reaction and they had to give me like medicine and stuff. That was the only nature call I ever read. Usually into. the old uh, remedy Peonid for that urine. is uh, what? Is urine. urine. Yeah, I just yeah. said that too, yeah. And meat tenderizer, I think, right? Really? Something like uh, that. I think so. I don't know. I may be misremembering aspects of my youth in Virginia. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I piss all over the place all the time anyway, so <laughs> chances are. Um, but we had a great weekend out there, and we had, oh, we had like four or five great dives. The deepest was, for me, interestingly, the night dive, um, which I went into with, I would say, just a very, very low grade, but still detectable anxiety. Right. Because you're you're walking into the dark water. I mean, it's you know, yeah. What's, it's it's a whole yeah. different experience. You enter from a cobbly beach, right? Uh, right in our development there, right. Uh, it's a beach entry yeah. at night, and as soon as you put your regulator in your mouth and take your first breath, and then empty out your BCD, which is your buoyancy control device, friends, um, and go under. It's kind of badass, dude. Yeah. The one thing uh, that you're... I mean, I, I think it would be hard for any video to do that experience justice. And I think that Jerry Gold... I think you did a great job, obviously, number one. And I don't... We're never going to get this podcast up before the video actually right. goes up anyway. But um, the way that you treated the video is so awesome and hilarious. But uh, the to try and capture that experience of basically swimming alongside the contours of a reef, which yeah. is basically what we were doing. Right. With just beams of light. Shining our flashlights, right. looking for things to look at. Right. Um, but then, just as often, shining your flashlight to the right of you well, that's which is the you were, sand receding you and I were the only into doing that. blackness. Right. No, the other three guys, they were just swimming along looking at the reef, but I kept... Cause no, I, I was all about thinking, the lunar moon, the right, the like, moonscape. What, what's coming at me? What's out there? I, was, I wasn't even concerned about that when I was just under. I was more struck by the solitary, lonely... Right. It really is... When you don't have that rock and the coral or the stingray or the unbelievable amount of lobsters yeah. we saw out there, some of which were huge, fucking enormous, yeah. um, to look at, when you actually do just look out at the at the sandy bottom, which is contoured from wave action, obviously, yeah. but then you're and you just see, you know, your flashlight, your actual light, reach its limits and and disappear. Pardon me, into the, the abyss, as it were. It's badass, you know? You know but go. 
the only thing I'm, I, I'm sad we didn't do because it completely escaped me, and I don't think Chan thought about it. You, you know, you're not supposed to turn your light on or off once you're underwater because it can affect the bulb. But he once, said so. Yeah. Well, because if you turn it off, you may not be able to turn Get it back, back on. on. Right. Yes. But what is f- very interesting to do is when you're at the bottom underwater at night is to you don't turn your light off, but you you, you shield your light and you sit there in the darkness for a second. Oh yeah. Let your eyes adjust. Yeah. And it's. That's amazing. It's insane. And I, I, I we amazing. got out and I'm like, oh, we should have done that. So that's something. It's already have. a very woomy experience, yeah. but that would be amazing. It really is. And, and the it, water was so warm well, out the there. Thing. It was we, like we 75 got, degrees. We got really lucky with great. We didn't have a lot of current. We didn't have, I mean, it was just a perfect diving condition. Yeah. And that weekend, the visibility that whole weekend was amazing. Was spectacular. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for Catalina, the visibility generally isn't more than 30, 30 to 50 feet. We well, both you and Shane. You know, prodigious divers both remarked that it was literally the best underwater visibility you'd ever seen at Catalina in that second dive I, on Sunday. Yeah, I've never seen it that. I mean, it was 100 feet. And the uh, the weather above the above oh, the water line was insane. spectacular. Yeah. September, windy, clarity of color. Right. Everything was so fucking beautiful. It was like being in New England, but yet not. You're on an island off the coast of SoCal. That was really amazing. The For me, the most... Anxiety producing dive was that deep dive. Yeah. Um, because as as you're following the chain down the buoy chain down, you feel that mask start to right. adhere very tightly against your face. Very yeah. tightly. I never thought for a second about the idea of that mask somehow cracking my skull like an eggshell. Right. Um but it was disturbing, um, and obviously, as we descended into the thermal climb, right, thermal climb, um, incredibly cold. Yeah. And so I spoke with Shane on the phone this week as we were lining up, uh, wreck diving, wreck diving for our wreck certification in Wreck Alley, San Diego. Which I think that you're going to. It has all the elements because it's deep, but it's also when you when you drop down in the darkness. And you see this shape form out of nowhere and take into it. Like at first, it's just a gray, yeah. Yeah. Like you can't distinguish it. But then it starts to take a defined shape and it's a ship. It's in this particular, yeah. it's a battleship. Yep. You see the guns and it's kind of laying on its. It's a Canadian, it's a Canadian naval destroyer. Right. Yeah. They sunk it in 2000 intentionally. Right. Um, and it, it, to make a reef. Yeah. And it's absolutely amazing. I mean, right. you. you the chills that go through your body just seeing it because it's it's your brain processing something even though you know you're on your way down to a wreck you, you've already seen pictures of it you've seen yeah, your diagrams. I've already posted YouTube video right. of both you, wrecks that were specifically going to be right. But until visiting. you see it with your own eyes and your brain registers, that shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an insane experience. Well, the other difference is once we got to, once I got to the bottom of the buoy chain uh, at. Uh, Casino Point right. Dive Park uh, in Avalon. Um, it was basically a sandy bottom. Yeah. It was cold. It was a little desolate feeling visually, but um, it was also m- visibility was reasonable because A, it was pretty clear. Yeah. And even at 100 feet, given the specifics of that corner of Casino Point Dive Park, um, there's still quite a bit of sunlight that's penetrating even to 100 feet. Yeah. Now, from what I've seen, from photographs both you and Shane have shown me, but also from the YouTube video that I posted, of 
the Yukon. The Yukon, which is the Canadian naval destroyer, and then we're also going to see the Ruby, the Ruby E. e. Yeah. Which is a, do you remember? I believe it is a, I, I actually haven't d- dove that one yet because we just did the Yukon last time. Um, yeah. It's a fishing, it's much smaller. It's a fishing trawler, I believe, but I could, right. be, and I that's, could be entirely That wrong. was sunk at about 70 feet, I think. Yeah, it's much, it's, it's a The Yukon is sunk at about 100 feet. Yeah, it, it kind of, well, 90 feet is at its highest point, and I think it goes down past 100, where it, right. it's at a, a little bit of a slope. Right. Um, the difference in the underwater topography in San Diego is, and also the quality of the current as it's, in, as it's interacting with the coastline there at San Diego mm-hmm. is that uh, the water is considerably, anecdotally I'm told, and I've also seen, murkier. Murkier and colder. Colder yeah. and much, much, much less light. Yes. Gets through from the surface. Makes it that far down. Right. So when you're looking at photographs of the wreck, it's literally all that you can see clearly is that which your flashlight yeah. beam is illuminating because basically anything outside that, you know, circular illumination is darkness. Right. It's, it's, or it's silhouette. similar to a night dive. It's not blackness. It's just a kind of gray cloudiness that you right. can't see through. Right. Um, it's just murky water. Right. Yet once you get down in there, Especially once you get into the ship, visibility into becomes, the ship. Once you get into the ship, like yeah. the visibility changes in a way. Um, Interesting. The, I think the light bounces off the actual confines Interiors. of the ship, the interior of the ship more. Yeah. So you can see a lot more. Um, and you know, swimming through the ship, then you know you have sea life swimming with you. It's such pretty, as it's it's amazing. It's like it's like it's, what kind of sea life is going to be swimming with you inside the ship? Uh, all kinds. I mean. Uh, a lot smaller fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of them won't get right there in there with you, but some will. Right. Um, not, they're not as colorful as, you know, Catalina. Sure. Um, a different, you know, they, that depth, they're different types of fish. Different species. But the re- the ship has been there for 12 years, so it's the growth, the coral that's grown on it, which is what the, a lot of the fish feed on. Right. Um, so it is a, you'll see um, an amazing amount of fish around, feeding. Uh, feeding around the ship. Wow. Um, you think we'll see any more eels? Cohen. It's possible in all the crevices. Yeah. Um, the I'd bummer like about the Armour AEL sighting, it was definitely something, as soon as we looked at the sort of illustration as to all the aquatic life that you might expect to see uh, at Casino, you know, in, in down under Casino right. Park or Casino Point Dive Park, um, as soon as I saw the Moray Eel, I was like, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> want? Right. Let's go see one. Let's find one. And he was like, okay, we'll go looking. He went looking, he found, but I had, wa- I had just a, I didn't have a great fit on my, uh, uh, of my mask and I was too sort of insecure to, to clear it or whatnot. So everybody, I saw it as a sort of vague green, you know, distinctly right. green head that was protruding from its, ca- from its, uh, chosen cave, cave yeah. but everybody else who had better clarity and had no mask issues right. saw its fucking teeth oh it's amazing i mean my biggest regret is that was the one dive that the, the camera di- the battery died so oh, i didn't man. have the yeah, i have i have five hours of footage yeah of you know but unfortunately 45 minutes of it is sitting staring at the sky because i left the camera on after the first right, dive. right <laughs> one of the things i've realized um within the last year or two i think maybe through Kyle Cummings' illustration, which we use for Team Jack, but also just in terms of the way my um, 
movie prop collection has sort of formed and refined itself is that probably since a very young age when I first saw that Bob Peak uh Great White Shark illustration that was the Time magazine cover to yeah. uh, announce the arrival of Steven Spielberg's Jaws, I've always been drawn to things with teeth. Yeah. Fluffy from Creep Show, which I own. Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko, which I hope to one day own. Right. Please. Um, shit with teeth. Shit with big that's, teeth. That's what I love. The like, T-Rex from Jurassic Park, that specific design. It's just like shit with big teeth. I have, it gets my little boy engines fired up. Right. You know? I, I have that the piranha that you gave me, the stuffed yeah. piranha, like with yeah. those crazy teeth sitting yeah. on my desk. It's like right there. It's, it's awesome. Like, people are like, what is that? <laughs> really? Oh, it's yeah, a I fucking it. piranha. Uh-huh. How can you know what a, not know what a piranha it's is? Amazing. Yeah. You know, um, our neighbor, uh, I'm not going to give his name. I've referred to him previously, and I referred to him recently on an episode that we just recorded that we are, we, it's our first episode that we recorded that we're deliberately holding until the street date of a certain Ah. DVD that's coming out that people have heard me speak copiously about. Uh, And I actually had another thought about that movie, which I'm just going to drop in at the end here. But, um, so let's just say that the guy who lives down the street from us is an agent at William Morris Endeavor, (laughs) where he represents amongst many, many others, Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott. Gladiator, the Gladiator creative team themselves. And this guy, uh, who is a single gentleman, does quite a bit of traveling. Okay. And last year for Christmas, I ran into him on the street, as we often do. And I was like, oh, dude, so where are you going for the holidays or whatnot? Uh... Jack, I'm actually, uh, I'm going to the Amazon. I was like, get the fuck out. I was like, are you going to immediately from thought to mouth in less than about one second, are you going to see fucking piranha? That's my first question. You know, you know what? I'm actually going just to see piranha. And I'm like an agent at William Morris Endeavor (laughs) who is, I kind of love that (laughs) going Taking his Christmas holiday to go see live to piranha. go see fucking piranha. You can't make this shit up. And um, when he came back, he had actually seen. I should know this. Um, he had actually seen, I think, either red-bellied or black-bellied piranha, or whatever the largest and most ferocious wow. piranha species is. He had, of course, and I expect nothing less of this gentleman. He had done his fucking homework. He had drilled down and done his due diligence. He knew where to find them. He hired himself up the right guides, the right pros, and they served it up. So, yeah, I would like to do that. I'd like to do that. There's actually talk, early talk of uh, a trip to Panama because a friend of mine who I hope to have on this podcast uh, in a future episode uh, his family has, shall we say, large and historic, historical interests around the Panama Canal. And so there was, um, there's some discussion afoot about him flying uh, a bunch of his friends, which would include Eric Odom and myself, down on the family jet, <laughs> which is like, what? <laughs> uh, to the Panama Canal, literally, so, we, so that we can watch uh 
the canal actually operate with its system of locks from the adjacent historical railroad and then actually have a fucking jungle expedition into Panama uh, in January, in theory. So, um, which might put a break on uh, plans to get Adam Cook, Eric Diaz, and maybe Mike Enriquez uh, all scuba certified. Yeah, because scuba for me is a social thing, and yeah, it absolutely is. And it's like the more people that do it, and you know, then the more you do it, right? It's also you'll find it fun when people are doing it for the first time and learning. When they, yeah. it's like when, when it kicks into them and they enjoy it, like it's it not like kind of how great is that? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, that's what well, I. That's what got it about got me into it for the first place with you yeah. was not only that you had done it and that you had mastered it, and I relate to you so well. It was like okay, Steve did it. Steve can explain to me how to do it. Steve knows the guy, right? Steve has done his due diligence. Right. Steve knows the pro. And but more than that, when I said when I said to you actually as we were just on our way back from recording a podcast over at Greg Yolen's yeah. house, um oh, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm actually going direct diving down at San diving, yeah. Diego. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, do you find that with your, as soon as we immediately, that was our very first scuba conversation. I was like, as soon as you, or I said, um, do you usually travel to scuba? And you were like, no, usually, you know, I just go right off the California coast here. As soon as I heard that, as soon as I heard that you don't, because my brother, who's also a single man, was probably like 43, spends most of his holiday away on scuba adventures right. he's constantly he travels getting onto planes right. flying to exotic lands right. where he dives yeah. as a single guy and i presume he meets dive buddies when he's down there yeah but for me it's like i see it as a regular thing that i want to do a social thing that i want to do and i don't want to have to get on a plane to do right. it so as soon as i heard catalina or santa barbara come from you right. i was like that's it as as has been the case with me over the last year and a half I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. Let's make it happen. And then I was like, stay on top of me. And just this past weekend was our latest yeah. adventure together that all paid off from that card ride back from Greg Yolen's place. And we should take this moment just to give a huge Team Jack shout out to Greg Yolen, our, we can't even call him a co-host anymore, but our absent, our absent friend who is tomorrow, Saturday, uh, marrying... Wow. Natalie LaPointe. Congratulations, Greg and Natalie. In New Haven, Connecticut. Yay. Uh, I'm not bummed about missing the wedding because I hate weddings. I love funerals, <laughs> as you might imagine, given what we've discussed. That's actually not true. But uh, I hate weddings and funerals, but I am bummed to be missing the wedding reception, Yeah. which uh, in true Greg Yulin fashion, but also, you know, little Team Jack, He's getting catered by the brick oven pizza truck of New Haven. Oh. Is pulling up with a fucking real brick oven oh. inside the back of the truck, which I feel Greg has spoken of in previous episodes. Yeah. And that's who's catering their wedding reception. Wow. So um I'll I'll be I will needless to say not be eating pizza this weekend right. <laughs> to say nothing of uh not uh, eating pizza in New Haven, Connecticut with the newlyweds, who it must be noted met on the Vancouver set of Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn part, Parts 1 and 2. Really? As Greg Yolen was serving in his uh, assistant capacity to 
Bill Condon and Natalie Natalie Lapointe was serving in her assistant capacity to the line producer Bill Bannerman, who's done, I think, New Moon and Eclipse. If he didn't actually also right. do Twilight, he's he's one of the Twilight lifers, as producers go. Yeah, but she's in, she's been in Canada, right? Or she she's a native of Vancouver, right? So she, she, so Greg is giving Natalie Lapointe the best gift that Canadian, you could ever give anybody. <laughs> he will get Canadian citizenship so he can. Enjoy Vancouver, uh, but he will be giving the gift of American citizenship to uh, to Natalie, which is awesome. So uh, we wish we were there, uh, both Bill and I. We are, needless to say, not as even now. Bill is still dealing every day with uh, finishing up visual effects on part two. It's getting close too, right? And songs, song placement. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're getting short, dude. Yeah. We're like less than two months away from release. It's crazy. And the movie is technically not delivered yet. So um, they'll make it, no problem. Yeah. But it's like looking back now at a decision that we made a while ago, It's it was so the right decision because he just really needs to be here for for uh, every, uh, yeah. every hour of every working day. So anyway, um, that wraps episode 45. I think we know now on Twitter at underscore the number five or no, yeah. at the number five underscore states, states. like the United States. Right. Jack, at Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's, at team underscore Jack. Teamjack.com, where we do have our episode guides put together by Kathleen, Sasha, and Tracy under pod, under the podcasts button at teamjack.com. Yes. These episode guides, job. folks, are fucking awesome. And um, I have to take a few pictures of Steve and I actually recording this while oh, yes. it's still happening so that Kathleen or Sasha, uh, whomever is responsible for the episode guide for episode 45 here, has them to drop in. But um, Thanks, ladies, for doing such a great, wonderful job. They're awesome. They're so awesome. Uh, we are on Facebook. Look for the illustration, the Kyle Cummings illustration. Uh, we are on Pinterest. We're on Tumblr. And again, Facebook.com, The Real Jack Morrissey. Hit me up. And Matt Cohen at Camel Toad, C A M E L T O A D. Yeah. And uh, we're back next week, hopefully, episode 46 with Kenny Warmald, who's been discussed on a previous nice. episode. The new uh, Ren McCormick from the recent Footloose remake, the Kevin Bacon part, um, will be joining us to talk more dance in LA. Uh, he has not danced with Michael Jackson, but he's. Dance with everybody else. So um, I guess that's it. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, Cohen, on the record, how, how quickly do you think we're going to be able to get this up? It's a Friday night. On the record? I have, <laughs> I have no clue. That's the honest to God truth. No? You no. think we'll get it up this weekend? Hopefully. Hopefully? Yeah. I can't make well, any promises. Well, I mean, he doesn't work on weekends, right? No, so I don't know. We'll see. go up fast. We'll see. Uh, what? Uh, how much work actually needs to happen once you finish cutting the? I don't know, but I don't like where this conversation is going. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone works very like hard that. on the episodes, so I know that. What's that? Someone works very hard on these episodes once they oh, okay. go off, and it's not me. So. We don't know. I mean, literally, folks, we don't know at this point. The Wednesday. Stop asking us. The Wednesday thing. If you've if you've made it this far in the episode, the Wednesday thing is really no longer relevant. We're trying to get an episode. It should be, but every week. Yeah. But. We just don't know, and especially as we go on, as we cruise into the release 
time for part two. I mean, everything's going to go out the window and it's going to get hairy. So just look for a new episode from us every week, but it's probably not going to turn up with any regularity on any specific day. So anyway, that's it. Um, As always, thanks for listening. Steve, you have anything else to add? You don't have an official website to pimp or anything, do you? No, just for work. So no. Okay. Cohen, you have anything? We good. All right. Awesome closing credits music by uh, Christopher Hoag, ChristopherHoag.com, H-O-A-G, out the door. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.